Hi, I'm Raina. And I'm Nikki. And this is our podcast where we're talking about how healing yourself includes tapping into your intuition with a healthy dose of witty humor and sage advice to help you see that the answers are all inside of you if you just shut up and listen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's episode 010 of Just Shut Up and Listen. We want to thank our wonderful podcast producer, Carl Ra Ross of Understand Health, for making us sound so good. And today, me and Nikki are sitting down with our friend, Patrick. We're excited to be with Patrick today. Nikki, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your friend that you are so inspired by and wanted to bring in to, to talk to us? Um, where do I start? Oh, no. Uh, Patrick and I uh, met in the Green Vanity um, I'm not sure what inspired Patrick to come in. Maybe it was just my sign that says, we have clean, ethical, non-toxic beauty products. (laughs) Um, Maybe it was the vibe, because I always hear there was a really great vibe in the place and people are attracted to it. And Well, I guess I was attracted to the green vanity because of what you stand for. Yeah. Mm, And the products you embrace. Right. The ingredients in your products, and I really wanted to have those products in my midst, on my body. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And then um, immediately we just fast friends it just we had we just shared a vibe and um immediately we we forewent nice weather conversation that went just right into the depths of of conversation and getting mm. to know each other on a deeper level mm-hmm. immediately mm-hmm. like it just it happened so sure. so fast mm. and um the more i got to know about patrick outside of being in service to him and i got to learn more about what he does and i discovered that he's in deep service for our uh, community as a nurse and he helps people that um, we would identify as people who are who observe um, the city that are more marginalized homeless and drug addicted Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and um, my conversations with Patrick have really opened my eyes to the dialogues I'm choosing and how I um, even though I I consider myself a very inclusive non-judgmental person I've realized there's nuances in how I say things Mm -hmm. that really aren't appropriate still and um, my perceptions are still tainted by how things were taught Mm -hmm. to me so that indoctrination Mm -hmm. and that uh, checking in at a deeper place when I'm in a moment and my feelings of um, whether I'm being uh, judgmental or making assumptions about mm-hmm. someone that I really shouldn't and it's been a really privilege for me to talk with Patrick because it's really shifted my perception oh, on it and that's why I invited him because I think that's something we could all really mm-hmm. uh, use in our lives is those when those moments come up that are socially uncomfortable because of the things that were taught to us right. on how to understand that we're all here doing it our way mm-hmm. and that as best we can as best it's we can by the given. tools we have. Right, right. Yeah. And we're all coming from a story. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I mean, to me, that is just the, the mere conversation of privilege right there. Like if you're coming from, you know, mental illness, abusive family, but your, your, your privilege is different and the mm-hmm. world as you perceive it's going to be different and uh, everyone gets to show up how they are mm-hmm. without the judgment of the strange owner of the green vanity coming by and casting judgment on them because they're doing it wrong they're not doing it wrong um and it's like patrick said to me not not so very long ago when i said well you know why would they choose that and then he simply said well why would they choose to be like you and it was like super sobering moment where i'm like yes i'm not doing it better i'm just doing it different Different. so anyways patrick well thank you thank you for coming tell us a little bit about (laughs) yourself like we want to know more about how you got to where you're doing well thank you so much both you nikki and Raina, for having me. It's a privilege to be here. I appreciate your time. Um, and to, to have this conversation means the world to me mm-hmm. because I think it's an, a much needed conversation. 
Um, as you mentioned, I am a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for 30 years plus. Um, I, I come from a small town in Ontario, and I think I'm very blessed to have had that, that upbringing because it taught me good grassroots sort of foundation to, to look out for each other. Um, it's a big community that to raise a family, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, in becoming a nurse, I think that the curriculum itself lends to um, certain um, hierarchies of wellness that um, we, we live in our everyday as a nurse, you know? And so to have that time, that quality time to spend with my client base, my patients, as a nurse, as a new nurse, in the years that I spent working in Toronto. And now I get to do that same nursing thing here in Kelowna. Um, it's wonderful to have had the experience to grow, to embrace all walks of life, um, and to to work with the marginalized here in Kelowna. It's um, it's a privilege as well. It's, it's humbling because we're all on a journey, you know? And... Um, we all come from somewhere. We all have a story. And my lived experience has taught me how to be who I am today. Um, my lived experience is humbling. It's, uh, it's taught me tons. Um, so I guess what I wanted to say in, in regards to um, the marginalized in Kelowna, it, um, we all have a story. We, we're all, we, all, we all have a past. And... Um, we live our, our, our story as well as we can. Um, what am I trying to say here? I guess in living our lives as best we can, we, we may have passed that contribute to our, our trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and the trauma leads us to develop coping mechanisms that um, may not be the healthiest for us. Right. But they are our stories. Right. Um, they are our lives. Right. And it's like you were saying when, when I'm, before we started the podcast, we should have just had the, we should have been taping the whole time because it was just gold coming out of you the whole time. Um, it's no different, like you said, than my coffee that's sitting in front of me right now mm -hmm. or someone's nice pair of shoes they bought. We're, we're all getting our fix in our way, mm -hmm. in a way that helps us get through the day. It's just some people's fixes are different mm -hmm. and some people's um, depth into their fixes is different. And we're, we're, we're all at any point deeper or not deeper. Like for me, one of my biggest fixes is not visible to the world. I am deep into distraction because there's stuff about me I don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. So I will dive into my phone. I will dive into gossip. I will dive into whatever because I don't want to deal with some of my mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't turn to, you know, drugs or things like that. But what's the difference really? Like, mm -hmm. what is mm -hmm. the difference really? And I find it really fascinating. So now when I'm thinking about that I will just be a bit more mindful that a fix is a fix yeah and so it's it's think of it like oxygen um you know what gets us through the day um and if I, if I bring it back to trauma-informed practice which is kind of a model that I use when I'm working with the marginalized um we all have had a past we all have a trauma that gets us through our time. So if it's, if it's a distraction, if it's an escape, alcohol, um, or a drug, then if that's what gets them through their day, whatever their day may consist of, um, I want to respect where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. I want to show empathy and compassion 
for what their experience may have been. I don't need to know the details of their experience, but to, to, I want to meet them where they're at so mm-hmm. I can empower them to get through the day as efficiently as I can. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe firmly that um, we are one. Mm-hmm. Who am I to judge mm-hmm. their story? Mm-hmm. Who am I to judge how they live their lives? That's one thing nursing has taught me. Um, to accept people where they're at and how can we work together to empower each other, and they do empower me as well. It is a win-win mm. because um, I have my other job where I work more corporate wellness, and um, it's very organized and established and also very humanitarian. Um, I find that my two jobs, they, they embrace each other, they empower each other because when I go from that work to work with the marginalized, I feel so grounded. Mm. Um, I meet people where they're at, um, and like I said, I empower them to get through their day by participating in harm reduction with them, empowering them with options to co- coordinate them with community services, nutrition, mm-hmm. over general wellness, well-being, um, other professionals in our community that can help them get through their day. So I am like a bridge, mm-hmm. no pun intended, I am like a bridge <laughs> for their continuity in wellness wherever that well however they define their wellness that's the thing um i and ultimately i've always thought that patients my patients my clients it's like a dance it's like um a dance and they're leading the dance Mm. i follow be it a salsa a tango um (laughs) a waltz it's a dance Mm -hmm. life is a dance it is and so if they're leading that dance to whatever music they want to dance to I just follow. Yeah. I, I, um, happy to participate in the dance because I get to benefit from the dance as mm-hmm. well. They ground me. They, their stories, their coping mechanisms, the way they've got th- gotten through their situations in life. Um, they're very educational. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a great respect for them when they share, when they feel comfortable enough to share their lived experience with me, whatever their story may be, to have that connection, it's quite divine. Mm-hmm. Um, when they share, and then when, because Kelowna is the city that it is, it's small enough that um, when I see them on an off day, I can still connect with them. They mm-hmm. remember me. I've impacted their life, and that's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. They remember me for an exchange I've had with them, um, a joke, um, an experience that they they remember and they remind me of a story we exchange, which mm-hmm. which means a lot. So, again, it's also feeding into a sense of community that mm. is typical of Kelowna. Very. If you think about what Kelowna has to offer us yeah. as a community, yeah. um, I've always felt since I've been here that um, to if I invest in in Kelowna, it'll pay back to me as well so by investing in the marginalized they're part of our community they're the fabric of our of our sense of community here by investing in them i'm investing in my community Mm -hmm. so it's a win-win absolutely um i was saying to you before um not so many years ago i i was the woman that would cross the street to not share the sidewalk with someone because Mm -hmm. as a female Mm -hmm. i that was, I was always taught that the, a person, a marginalized person who, like whether homeless, drug addict, mm. um, that was a threat to me. I was going mm-hmm. to be in danger from that person. Um, now as a grown person, 
um, who's, who's digging through these things that were taught to me, I'm realizing that doesn't make a person dangerous. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sharing a sidewalk with a person who has done drugs and has no fixed address, that does not make them a mm-hmm. dangerous person. So now rationally, I look at that, but I then, so then I find myself in a place of observing now. Mm-hmm. And I realize how many people are um, physically like recoiling mm-hmm. and through body language, um, expressing rejection mm-hmm. to these people and how now I realize how I, I participated in and how painful that must be to, for, um, a simple walk up the sidewalk can, ex- they can experience so much rejection from the people in their community. Um, what would be your suggestion to the average person walking up the street to share some space and sidewalk with a marginalized person who may be having one of those days where they're, um, you know, louder or they're, mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. um, maybe their body gestures are, are, are stronger. Maybe they haven't been on their meds or they've been mm-hmm. taking some drugs. What, what would be your suggestion to a, a person in that moment? How do we, yeah. how do we act? Like, how do we come um, into that place of compassion and, and share that space without, um, exasperating by now, um, projecting rejection uh, and, and judgment and judgment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is, um, they're still, they're still human. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have red blood in their veins. Um, we all have bad days and, and it may be more our bad, my bad day versus their bad day may be not as dramatic or, or expressive. Um, I think to take a place of oneness of non-judgment, um, to hold space for that healing, mm-hmm. um, to hold space for the, for the, the of, of love, that um, who, however they present is that's who they are, their authentic self in that moment in time, and um, to uh, um, celebrate who they are as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I be? as human as possible to that being, that person, as they're expressing themselves in that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, just just by allowing them to have some of my spiritual oxygen, mm-hmm. what, is, what does that mean? Just to be present with them. Mm-hmm. To, um, if I can communicate a sense of oneness with them, mm-hmm. um, to help them to be acknowledged, mm-hmm. um, I guess it helps me to remember there's still, like I said before, there's still somebody's brother. There's still someone's son. There's still mm-hmm. someone's mother. There's still someone's father. There's a familial aspect to that person that I want to remember and be cognizant of as I acknowledge that person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I guess, perhaps given our upbringing and um, lived experience, it might be easier to just block it or ignore them. Um but I just I want to say that to express the humanity of them, to embrace their their oneness of who they are authentically, it will actually be more rewarding. Mm-hmm. So I challenge myself um, to be my authentic self with them, and so because I know I'll gain something from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very very big and hard because. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's been indoctrinated into you mm-hmm. that it's danger, 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 you're actually feeling danger. Like mm-hmm. your body responds as danger. Right. And I find since I do work in the downtown core, I, I, I have the opportunity to face this part of myself a lot more frequently than mm-hmm. the average person does. And over the last few years, um, within the, the community down here, um, on my street, I've actually 
become well acquainted mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. many of our homeless and marginalized people from this area and they they recognize me mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. they know with me there's going to be a smile and they mm -hmm. know on a really hot day they can knock on my window and I'll bring them a glass of water mm -hmm. and right. whatever because they now know that um, I'm I'm not going to give beyond my means for mm -hmm, them but I'm mm -hmm. always going to treat them with well, you're kindness. seeing them. That's I'm the seeing thing. them. And that's yeah. like, it's, to them, that's like a currency. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things come to mind, actually, as I heard you. Um, our energy, okay, I'll back up a little bit. Their survival on the street has taken some raw, God-given talent mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. And then to thrive on the street takes an ability, a resilience mm -hmm. that I still aspire to. Mm -hmm. I learn from them. So um, to, to express yourself energetically, mm -hmm. your authentic, beautiful self to them, they see it. Mm -hmm. It's palpable for them. So to be present with them is huge. It's a currency, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Um, and so I, I want to also expand on the fact that you expressed danger in, initially in earlier experiences in witnessing or being a part of the homeless, marginalized experience on the, on the sidewalk. I actually must say, there's a realness to that population mm -hmm. that is raw, mm -hmm. raw kindness, mm -hmm. love, um, acceptance, mm -hmm. non-judgmental, which I think is prevalent in our society as a whole. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in their midst, on in their home, be it Leon or any wherever their home may be, mm -hmm. Um, I feel safe yeah. because it's real. When I'm with them, what I get is there's no filter. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. If they're coming off of something, what I get is real. Mm -hmm. And I have found um, I feel safe with that mm -hmm. because I can be my real self with them. Yeah. And um, there's that balance that I embrace, because and I find that grounding. There's yeah. no pretense. No, there's no pretense. And um, I celebrate that. Mm -hmm. I aspire to that. So um, in that lack of pretense, in that realness, that's how it's supposed to be. Right. Um, yeah. And it's funny, because it, within the midst of us going through our lives every day, we sit in pretense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. um, yet, so many of us sit in judgment of the people who are actually living authentically when it's become like a hashtag, be authentic. Right. Yet the people who are living so authentically, yes. we're, we're passing judgment on them because mm. their authentic isn't good enough for us. <laughs> your like, authentic's not authentic. Yeah, yeah. it's like, mm, your authentic's not good enough for mm. me. It's so fascinating how mm. that is. So fascinating. Um, if there was something you could suggest for just the average resident of Kelowna to do to help um, create a space where our marginalized people, they felt safe, what would your suggestion be? Wow. I know that's a big question. <laughs> I think, I guess, um, if I can equate it to something that maybe is easier to digest or palatable, um, if, if someone, the average person in Kelowna, could place themselves in their shoes... If the average person could think of, if that was my brother or sister mm -hmm. living that life, 
what would I want to see happen for them? Mm-hmm. How would I want them to be looked after? Mm-hmm. Or um, if they couldn't do it themselves, then what services would I like to see available to them mm-hmm. so that they can be successful in their existence, the life that they're living? Um, because we are family, we are one. What can, um, what can I support to give them their basics? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is their spiritual? What will fuel their spiritual oxygen? Mm-hmm. Be it nutritionally, a warmth in the cold of our winters, um, housing, um, harm reduction. Um, that's a huge, very sensitive topic in our midst these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I do work in this environment, um, and it has to do a lot to do with education. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I, I empower myself with knowledge so that I gain empathy for their situation? Absolutely. I think empathy is a big uh, gap. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, especially in, like, there's certain areas in Kelowna where um, the population of homeless and marginalized people is higher. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, when something happens, whether, you know, there's an increase in crime or whatever, immediately mm-hmm. it's, that's the, the population community that's blamed for it. Whether mm-hmm. there's proof of it or not, immediately we need to, and, and immediately I find the words that are used are like, we need to get the homeless people out of there, but it's not in a way of it's, um, they're inconveniencing us and they're, we don't, we'd want them to go away because we don't want them anymore. And that like, that's not how we treat people. Like you don't just put them somewhere else. It's they, they live here. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this together? And, and assigning blame somewhere because it's convenient. It's not fair either because we don't know who did that. So let's not cast mm-hmm. blame without knowing and assume things. Right. Um, I know in my neighborhood near my home, we have more housing, um, has been established for people to, to try to get them off the street and create a housing environment for them. Right. And so my home near my home, the population of, um, of people who are out and about, um, on the streets, little like clusters of little micro communities are there. And a lot of the community dialogue is, well, we gave them a, a place to live. So why aren't they in their homes? That's a great, that's a great point. You yeah. Raise. Um, that in itself raises challenges. Mm-hmm. As we've touched on before we started the podcast, um, we have a certain function. We, we all have an ability so to function. And so their function, their, what, what works for them might be to live in a park mm-hmm. um, or in, a, in some sort of housing that is making makes us feel uncomfortable. So if we provide housing for them, that's if we so there's a transition that they go through. If they're living on the street and they get housing, they actually may go into a form of dysfunction because that's not their norm. Mm. To live on the street, all the hustle bustle, the action, the the, the crises, um, and if suddenly there's an absence of crises in their lives, then that leads to perhaps enhanced more drug use because that's how they escape because they're living like a fish out of water mm-hmm. temporarily so that to go from living on the street to housing presents in itself a form of dysfunction that they we need to empower them to get through mm. so that takes transition that takes patience um and i think we are going through a, a bit of that right now in Kelowna because there has been some housing provided for our marginalized which is great to see but it also requires our, our patients as they transition into this new lived experience. Mm. 
that takes time. It does mm-hmm. take time. And patience and understanding. Um, as someone that works with the marginalized in a harm reduction role, it's something that we are presently assessing because how because suddenly when we don't see them on the street, well, that's our, our go-to is walking, literally walking the streets, meeting the needs of our marginalized via harm reduction. Um, how do we then um, meet them in their housing? So that's as our role expands, as we got funding to <clears throat> enhance our role, our presence, how do we meet that need? Mm-hmm. Um, for those that now have housing, how do we expand our role to meet their dysfunction as they transition? Right. It's an ongoing experience right. that we're constantly tweaking. Right. Because if someone's in a home in a, in, and they're harming themselves, you're not there to, to right. see it. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's a whole new layer of... Right. Yeah. And so there's that experience that we are tweaking. Um, and there is the experience of how are we bridging their... So their new home environment with the existing residents who now feel threatened mm. by this presence of housing and the people that are, facil- are using the housing. Right. The and that's what I'm experiencing in my home neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Is now the, the structure is there, but the community they need to transition is mm-hmm. not supportive mm-hmm. because now they're the new problem of the neighborhood. And it's really fascinating for me because even I catch myself saying things like, ugh, Mm-hmm. The neighborhood's going to hell. And then I catch myself and I'm like, whoa, like that's not okay. But that's kind of how it's taught to me. Oh, mm-hmm. immediately when a like a housing situation's put in or something, you know, people immediately start talking about the, the neighborhood going, you yeah. know, and it's super and that immediately that's the information you just oh, that's how it is now. Mm-hmm. And that's not I really guess, real. I guess suffice it to say, um I I I don't want to belittle your experience. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I want to hear, I want the people, the, the residents of your community to feel heard. Um, I think any form of stability, even a permanent address is a form of stability for our, our population that will help lay the groundwork for them to launch from. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it may be a bit of a transition, but we're also, we're also, um, we're developing tools for them to move forward chemically mm-hmm. so that they can still have a, a permanent address, hold down a job so that they're not living their life to get their next fix. Mm-hmm. There are tools available to our population now that enables them to still deal with their addiction but live a productive life. Mm-hmm. Again, um, it's a relatively new concept that we're trialing and, and mm-hmm. having great success with in Kelowna. It's so in our great. midst. It's really encouraging to know yeah. that research is being done into um, forms of treatment that empower them to form more of a functional existence within their midst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the research that's been done around addictions, and um, I guess I wanted to say that in the past, our our take on addictions, our idea around it has been really quite inaccurate. I wanted to talk about um, a rat, something called the Rat Park Experiment, which is something that was done, I believe, in the 70s. Um, but originally, what has been done in the past, you know, in assessing addictions, they would take a rat, put it in a cage with two water bottles, and um, one bottle had just plain water, while the other bottle had water laced with heroin or cocaine 
And the Rast almost always preferred the drug water, and he inevitably would kill himself from overconsumption of this drug-laced water. So in the 70s, um, there was a researcher named Bruce Alexander, professor of psychology from Vancouver, who looked at this experiment, and he noticed something radically wrong with this, and he commented on the cage that the rat was caged in was, was empty. He had nothing to do but consume this, these drugs, these water-laced drugs. He said, let's change things up a little bit. So he, he created a rat park, and what that means is really a rat heaven, per se, because in that cage, he also included cheese, activities, colored balls, tunnels of, of a, a, you know, activity for the rat to participate in. Um, he had a greater sense of community in that cage in that um, there were other rats in his, mit, in his midst. There were many friends, he had lots of interactions and lots of intimate interactions with other rats. So in the, in the cage itself, he thrived. And in, as well, in that cage, he did have um, both, waddle, both bottles, one bottle of water and one bottle of drug-laced water. Inevitably, in Rat Heaven or Rat Park, they didn't like the drugged water. He almost never used it, and none of the rats ever used it compulsively, so none of them really did OD um, in this Rat Heaven. And almost 100% of the ODs, of the overdoses, they were, so in the old cage, with just the water um, and nothing else, 100% of the rats overdosed. Whereas in Rat Park, there was a 0% overdose, and they actually led happy and connected lives. So I guess the question raised by Rat Park is, is addiction an ad adaptation to one's environment or lack thereof? At present, perhaps society is used to shaming or judging our, our more marginalized populations. We create barriers for them and give them criminal records, so they, they have a hard time getting back on their feet again and remaining dysfunctional. So that, I feel, is, is something with great takeaway from this, is how are we as a community, how can we venture forth in how we view our margin, marginalized? And, and just as a little addendum to that, Portugal has made great strides in how they approach drug abuse. Um, and the actual decriminalization of drugs, and henceforth, how they treat addictions. Which brings me to my next point, because I feel the time has come to take stock of our actual cage, as it were, um, to st take stock of our actual, um, how, we, how we address our rat park. So yes, we have a community. What are we doing within our community to support the rats? or society as a whole, because we live in a society in which the degree of isolation is at an all-time high, with social media, the internet with all its entrapments, the philosophy to self-nurture or become more self-absorbed um, has taken various forms. Self-evolution, um, I mean, it has its place, so social media, et cetera, but I feel that um, what has taken um, a back seat amidst all of this self-absorption is the lack of um, community-based actions, um, a community passion. So an article that I read recently by Nikita Valerio, 
raise the fact that any that what is community passion or community care, any care provided by a single individual to benefit other people in their life um, in simple interpersonal acts of compassion. So what are we doing to enhance the rat park that we live in to support each other, not just the marginalized, because I think if we support every aspect of our rat heaven, our rat cage, it has a ripple effect. It's a, it's a, a win-win for both those that are marginalized, but those that are doing so, the supporting, I think both extremes need our attention. Absolutely. It's not just about the marginalized, but it, it's how we pay it forward in a, on a daily basis. How do we um, pay it forward, like I said, or um, service to others, I think plays a huge role in what I do for a living as in both aspects of my professional life. Um, so any care provided by a single individual or to a groups of people, um, or interpersonal acts of compassion. It can translate into a lot of different things, reaching out to our circle of friends, doing groceries for an elderly neighbor, any form of volunteering, any form of giving back to one's community. What's one of the things that like, has inspired you the most? Has there been any, any single humans that you've met that you've seen go from through the transition process and just come out the other side um, and then they're still living in that authenticity, mm -hmm. but they're not harming themselves so much anymore. Is there, has there any stories that for you just like melt your world? Oh, they happen daily. Do they, I they was going to say daily. he's smiling. There must they, be lots. They, <laughs> there's lots. And um, I, it, it's the little things. Like, you know, I, I have developed relationships with them. I can tell by the way they're walking five blocks down the re street who it is. Mm. And um, they have good days and bad days. Um, don't we all? <laughs> yes, and it's their stories that inspire me. Mm -hmm. um, because I look at their lives and what they've endured, and look at my life, I'm thinking, wow, my mm -hmm. life, it's humbling. To be able to share and live and be a part of their world and have a taste of their world because I get a, a minuscule amount of time with them mm -hmm. compared to their other friends on the, on the, in the community. Mm -hmm. um, to see them get housing, mm -hmm. to see them make a doctor's appointment, mm -hmm. to actually go with them because if they get robbed mm -hmm. and they lose all their identification, I get to go with them to meet with people, to fill up paperwork, help them on that process, to just achieve getting their documents back. Mm. It means the world because something I take for granted that and they're and when they say when they're appreciative for how I've helped them in a minimum in my view a minimal amount it means the world absolutely um so yes to see them to see them get gussied up for a job <laughs> interview you know to get see them have a really good day and to be clean for whatever period of time if it's it's if it's a success for them it's I, I, I'm elated. Yeah. I think um, to work with other people in my field is very empowering. Absolutely. I work with some pretty special yeah. people. You've introduced me to a few. They're amazing. And I brought them in the store, yeah, actually, when we're working the streets. Working the streets. Um, <laughs> I brought them in here because... I guess I want them to share what you bring to the table and yeah. and it's a win-win. So that's another thing. It's very rewarding for me. I work with a pretty amazing people from pharmacists, pharmacy techs to, you know, my outreach 
fellow colleagues, um, my management that inspires mm -hmm. me so much. Mm -hmm. um, to storekeepers in downtown <laughs> Kelowna that embrace our community, it's yeah. in it's um the sense of oneness that is in my midst here in Kelowna is yeah. profound. Yeah, Kelowna has a pretty amazing, um, especially I find downtown that it, there is a sense of community here, yeah. and I think that's like reason nine hundred eighty six why I wanted to do this podcast is um, the projection <laughs> of growth in Kelowna is. Mm -hmm. Um, it's big, like mm -hmm. Kelowna is growing very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and if a, in a city, if it grows too quickly and it loses its sense of community, mm -hmm. it, it loses that thing that mm -hmm. keeps it so real. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want to have more dialogue about things like this. So as we grow and there's more and more people choosing to participate mm -hmm. at a deeper level, um, that will automatically teach the people who are coming to join us in our city, mm -hmm. that this is how we function in our city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's not something like five people can do. That's mm -hmm. something we all have to be doing together. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is why I'm personally working so hard to really be aware of how I'm doing it because leading by example, if someone sees yes. me on the street, right. a not so big female, <laughs> not acting in a way that's um, judgmental towards our marginalized community, maybe they can see that and say, hey, mm -hmm. I noticed that she's, you know, physically tiny mm -hmm. and she's female and she's mm -hmm. just par like participating in her community. Maybe they can, they'll be inspired to do it too because um, that's all we can do is lead by example, right? Is, and, and, and share and talk and have dialogues and be super real. Well, Nikki, you are a force to be reckoned with. No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I've had, I've I heard, second all, that. I've heard <laughs> conversations um, of people that comes to shop here and yeah. nothing but great positivity <laughs> is being discussed. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's what makes you so beautiful is that you're willing to jump in with both feet and embrace and love. And so it is a great example that you're, 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 you're sending. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to say that Kelowna is very user-friendly for me in that it's small enough. Cause I, I spent years in Toronto, mm -hmm. small town, Ontario boy. Yeah. Spent years in Toronto, moved to Fort St. John, mm. which has its own charm and energy about it mm. that I was embraced with. Yeah. And then to bring all of that here, um, I find Kelowna extremely user-friendly. Mm -hmm. And to launch from, it's very easy to launch here because mm -hmm. Kelowna has so much to offer. Mm -hmm. As So to participate in this beauty, this evolution, because in the year that I've been here, I've seen a lot of good things happen. I've been able to participate in a lot of really awesome experiences because I think I jump in with both feet as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. I sink my teeth in it and I just, it's been awesome. Mm -hmm. um, we have, we've come a long way. I think it's an exciting time mm -hmm. to be a part of this experience yeah. with, with our community growth yeah. um, because it's very we're at it in a very grassroots way. Yes. Um, Kelowna has amazing potential. It does. Um, and I think our people are benefiting from that. Yeah. It's a win-win. It's good. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing this because the negative dialogue about it is so much more prevalent than the positive. So you get negative dialogue, mm. eh? Yeah. Yeah. Like when, whenever anything happens downtown, you know, someone finds some dirty syringes. 
Oh, uh, it's the gossip of everyone's talking about oh, it. Yeah. Someone peed in an inappropriate place. Uh, let's all talk about it. Okay. Um, and it's those things where it's the details of that community functioning, which the rest of us would observe as dysfunction mm-hmm. and how it's affecting us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And instead of, um, like you said, there's so many great things that happen every day since we aren't in a place to see it or acknowledge it. We only see and discuss the negative. And that's what, you know, local media will focus on. Small business yeah. owner mm-hmm. had such and such in their business or such and such thing happened. So that's the news. The news isn't, you know, X number of our marginalized have been finding great success with their new transitional housing because of local um, uh, new ideas on how to help people transition. These mm-hmm. new X number of people have now found employment and are living less harmfully. Right. And But we're not talking about that, yeah. unfortunately. But one like shift of what we're choosing to focus on could change people's mm-hmm. perspectives. Mm-hmm. But if all we're talking about is the... Um, broken windows, the whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, and immediately assigning that it was the homeless community that did it, which isn't even true. Like I, that all the homeless people yeah. I've ex- like met, good day or bad day, they're not the ones that are, are doing that. I've even had in, on my street, um, I had during one of our like festival weekends here when mm-hmm. we had a very increased mm-hmm. population mm-hmm. due to an entertainment thing, mm-hmm. it was those tourists mm-hmm. with no accountability that we're mm-hmm. making poor choices on the street because they don't care about our town. They're just here to party. Right. And I had a gentleman acting inappropriately, and it was one of our homeless people that this is his hood. This is right. his neighborhood. Right. He was the one that, uh, it, what you're doing is not okay. So he was actually an advocate for our wow. community and an advocate for me, yet that's not talked about. Mm. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because um, with because I do find with like, there's little micro communities downtown yes. of homeless people and they take care of each other in this That's beautiful right. way. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to even watch that. And they are just as protective of their mm-hmm. Kelowna as we are mm-hmm. when, you know, I don't want to, you know, say, but I'll, I'll just say when center of gravity, for example, happens, all sorts of unfortunate things mm-hmm. happen to businesses downtown and we're mm-hmm. all a little nervous. And personally, as a business owner, I'm more nervous on that weekend than I am of our homeless population really? at any given time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I find that extraordinarily fascinating that really, I wouldn't yeah. feel comfortable to walk home during center of gravity, really? but I feel comfortable to walk home the rest of the year. You know what I mean? So that's really interesting. As a female coming forward who works downtown and lives downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps shift anyone's perspective on where we're focusing our mm-hmm. negative attitudes. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Well, you've given me a lot to think about. Um, back to, um, for example, it can be quite disconcerting to find a youth syringe on the street. And we do make an effort to clean that up on our daily walks mm-hmm. as part of our sort of our focus, mm-hmm. that's our objective to, if we're going to give out the harm reduction, it's part of our mandate to help clean it up if we mm-hmm. find it. So that's something that we do do. Mm-hmm. Um, we give out Sharps containers. Um, I guess it's something that it's good to be aware of, mm-hmm. that there is that concern in the community. Um, it's an ongoing journey mm-hmm. that... 
as our role expands, we can expand our team efforts to to help clean things up mm-hmm. from a marginalized harm reduction perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel that um, just having our, our presence on the streets yeah. with our knapsacks yeah. um, helps definitely bridge a warmth it um, does. and empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, people have actually approached us to mm-hmm. tell us how much they appreciate what we do. The stink eye I've experienced in my daily every day has decreased Good. Um, because I think just being having a presence out there and educating people on what exactly we are doing mm-hmm. um, has helped to bridge the gap and yeah. to empower Joe Average with, with knowledge as to what the need is, how are we meeting it, and how do we move forward together. Yeah. Um, from the perspective of like because like, there was this huge and the, the buzz is slowed down a little and I actually don't know what the statistics were in Kelowna but <clears throat> with the overdosing um, with the fentanyl and people having um, those kids the, the Loxone kids yes mm-hmm. and I know it was one of those things where there was actually dialogue with like some of the small businesses maybe we should have those kits available too but I had never really experienced anything that led me to believe it was of urgency enough to actually have a kit available. Mm-hmm. And then it was shortly after that, I saw you guys with your knapsacks and I'm like, Oh, they got the kits <laughs> and they're actually <laughs> yes. cruising into the areas that would be mm-hmm. more like, I'm not walking down Leon. I'm not, and I don't know enough to say, Oh, well, you know, these are the places where overdoses happen because I'm sure overdoses are happening in people's homes. Like people's homes. It's, yes. it's, that's the reality. Yes. But, um, from the perspective of, um, the harm mm-hmm. and is that something like when people who are in the downtown core and they work is it enough of a reality that we should be aware of what uh, overdosing looks like yeah yeah good question so we are happy to provide kids mm-hmm. and i i have I actually um i have made more of an effort to go to local bars because mm-hmm. Well, where do drugs happen? Where do and it's not just the marginalized that no, are consuming drugs in our midst. Not. Yeah. So they happen. They in, in my limited experience, correct me if I'm wrong. They tend to, they they tend to happen more in the nightlife here, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in in public washrooms. So, um, but they could happen on the street. So mm-hmm. for you to have a kit behind your counter mm-hmm. to help to have just on hand. Should it would be required by somebody else, yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah, we're happy to come and do an in service on what it is, yeah. how it works, how to administer it, what to watch for, in case what mm-hmm. to look for, and if you suspect mm-hmm. um, an overdose mm-hmm. in your midst, then we can do a, a fifteen minute in service with yeah. you on on those those mm-hmm. tools. Yeah, um, because I think. Again, by sharing the knowledge, it's empowering us to go forward with, this is the reality of our existence. It It really Mm -hmm. is, unfortunately, part of our reality. Mm -hmm. So with any health crisis, I think the knowledge sharing that occurs, look at cancer, look at HIV, look look at um, any health crisis, breast cancer, anything, um, it's the sharing of knowledge. How do we come together to to take this on Mm -hmm. and achieve success. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mental Mm -hmm. health alone. How do we, that's something else I want to tell you. Um, 
when I when I was first launching into harm reduction, um, and I would tell people what I what I do, it's interesting because I'm also an oncology nurse. If I tell people that um, I have background in oncology, everybody has a cancer story. Yeah, that they've experienced, that they lived through. I've learned actually now that I'm doing more harm harm reduction, mental health nursing, or well, in, in my capacity as a, an outreach worker, um, everybody has a harm reduction story. Everyone mm-hmm. has an addiction story, be it mm-hmm. a loved one, a friend. Mm-hmm. So addictions, mental health is very much part of our reality. Absolutely. So yeah. the sooner we, we come to grips with that reality mm-hmm. and play our role in embracing mm-hmm. that and how to achieve subjective wellness around that the sooner we'll make progress yeah and i think and i mean with like side by side i'm not saying one situation is better or worse because it's their cancer is it's a whole layer of emotions that Mm -hmm. come with it but when someone is diagnosed cancer immediately that the dialogue becomes about empathy Mm -hmm. (laughs) compassion a support Right. Helping what can them I do to help? Help, help them cook a meal. Yeah. Transportation to yeah. treatments. Yeah. Um, when it's mental health and drug, it's shame, mm. judgment. So yes, right. it does. It's require, very different. It does require a tweaking of our perspective. Exactly. Because um, if we treated our mentally, like mm-hmm. um, people who are dealing with mental health issues or drug issues, with the same compassion mm-hmm. that we did someone who told us they had a cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis mm-hmm. that would change things mm-hmm. radically mm-hmm. just it's just that mind shift of right. wellness it's that, mm-hmm. and support kindness compassion mm-hmm. and showing up with what does that person need for me to help as you say bring them to a place of less harm right yeah mm-hmm. yeah oneness mm-hmm. yeah i love it <laughs> uh we could talk for hours because there's like so many layers this is amazing there's so yeah. many layers of of it as you know every person kind of comes forward with their their authenticity and how they can mm-hmm. be that more kind and compassionate person but i just wanted to shine a little bit of a light on it because mm-hmm. since Thank i am you. downtown um all the time uh, my home it's my job everything i i am a part of the downtown community um i have really been seeing that um not a lot is changing mm. as far as how that overall community is treating that part of our mm-hmm. community. It's just not, it, the shift isn't happening yet. And it's still kind of an us versus them sort of okay. mentality. And um, I just wanted to just shine a light on it to help people just kind of mm-hmm. check in with how they're acting in their, whatever their their um, pers- like their amount of situations is. Like mm-hmm. I know not everyone's downtown constantly like me. Maybe some people just mm-hmm. come downtown intermittently. And so mm-hmm. since that's out of their normal, mm-hmm. it does feel more um whatever their their you know belief system is more threatening more more scary more um like they find they really fall into judgment i'm hoping that if they're listening to this they might be like you know what next time i'm downtown i'm gonna i'm gonna mm-hmm. try and come at it with a bit more compassion and because it's a practice like anything mm-hmm. else when we're overcoming something yeah. that we've been taught yeah. you're yeah. not just going to walk downtown tomorrow after being like judgmental and scared and be, just be fine mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. stepping into it and being aware that you're going to have to Modify your thoughts, mm-hmm. check in with yourself a lot, step out of where you're comfortable mm-hmm. and try doing it a little bit differently. And it's like you said, with that, there's going to be a, a reward and a payoff. Yeah. And it's not just, and of course, when we, when we do anything, of course, the initial payoff is for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But to know that you're getting that payoff for yourself and mm-hmm. it's also contributing to the betterness of someone's day. Right. 
and might in turn be part of their harm reduction. Because if they didn't feel immense judgment Mm -hmm. all day, they might not feel the need to harm. Yeah, and I do believe that um, as we move forward in helping to address issues around addiction, um, the foundations of that stems from love and Mm. compassion. Um, And it's a work in progress. My, Mm. My... the way I present in working with my my people, my community downtown, is a work in progress. It's I need to tweak it on an ongoing basis. I'm learning still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I there's some things I could do better mm-hmm. on an, on on a daily basis. So yeah. I'm still evolving, and I hope okay. I never stop evolving. Good. We hope you process. don't too. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any community like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Resources that you would like to mention mm-hmm. that maybe need funding, volunteers, anything. So if anyone's listening to this and they're feeling like, I feel inspired to contribute, mm-hmm. um, I have time, I have money, mm-hmm. I have, and I want to participate more. Is there any um, political people we can talk to to help push and help support the movements you're trying to, to get? How can the average Joe help? If they decide, I want to help, what, what, would you, what resources, names would you drop, what? What would you suggest? Well, I, I feel that any um, Kelowna Community Resource Center really plays a huge role in our evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bridge mm-hmm. um, is the organization I work for. Um, funding, um, any funding around mental health, um, any funding around community food banks, um, Central Okanagan Food Bank is one source. Um, donations, um, to any source of food, uh, canned goods that one can help to s- support people in their nutritional mm-hmm. perspective. Living Positive Resource Center is another um, great resource for our community. Um, Gospel Mission, um, anything that pr- supports our community as far as housing goes, mm-hmm. even if it comes down to potential housing um, and city council meetings that are gathered to help people as we explore for future housing for yeah. our, our marginalized a, a presence, a presence. To, just to learn yeah. about what the city council is working towards just to find out what what is at stake what is what is what is needed in the evolution what are the options available for our people um and just follow your heart follow your heart yeah so true but it really comes down to the basics food mm-hmm. Shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for your you time. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. I, like, my heart is so full right now. I'm so in awe of you. I'm just thank, oh, I thank, thank you. you so much for the work that you do. It's very yeah. inspiring. And, and it's one of those Beyond inspiring. Like, inspiring is not even a good yeah. enough word. Because when, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, yeah, yeah cool. I'm going to bring the thing I bring. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with what I bring. And I do think it takes a very special person to dive so deep yes. into the community and like I you don't do. Think Incredible. It's special. I know, I really but don't. that's because it's, it's you. my everyday. <laughs> yeah, it's just what I normal. do, yeah. and I get to do it here. Yeah. Yeah. And so to have what I have in yeah. my everyday, it's what it's my essence, mm. and I get to celebrate. Um, and my essence is appreciated. So to be acknowledged for what I do, what what I bring to the table, is huge. It's humbling. I'm so grateful to have what I have and to express it mm-hmm. in this environment, in this community. It's it's a win win, and I feel like I'm achieving my own little five G in this <laughs> world because I get to do what I do. Yeah. And um, finally, after all these years of nursing, 
I finally figured it out. What yeah. what fulfills me the most? It just gets better and better. That's amazing. <laughs> we'll talk again soon, Patrick, for sure. Thank you Thank so you. much. For this. Bye. Appreciate you.